Welcome in, WayneDailySports.com. My name is John Jansen. Follow me at JJansen34. And joined today by my guy, Joel, at Draftmaster Flex. Uh, Joel, this is your first time on a nice Tuesday edition of Targets and Touches, which you do right here at WindailySports.com, all sponsored by the Sharp app. Go to sharp.link, and you can check out all of the ways that you can download the Sharp app, which is a great app, especially for all of your betting needs. So go check that out there at sharp.link. And we have a promo going, Double Up. And if you use that promo code, Double Up, you can get a buy one, get one over at WindailySports.com for a gold membership. All right, Joel, Targets and Touches, uh, it's something that, you know, how much do you take a look at, and just because it's the first time you're on the, the show here for this one, how much do you look at kind of week-to-week with the target share? I know we like to look at it in total, but just a week-to-week thing. Uh, you know, how much do you take into account if a guy maybe went up a bunch in his target share or went down? You know, how do you kind of look at that week-to-week? It's critical, and especially for DFS. I mean, those are the guys. That's how you get find value, right, the – the guy who's you know getting six or seven targets a week that has a low price tag but maybe hasn't produced yet, like his day is coming because they're going to him, right? It's the guy you like his name, but is getting thrown to once or twice a game is not coming because he doesn't get the ball enough. So that's where we want to be here. And like it might not pop. Like the biggest thing that's important with this show is being consistent viewer week to week. Because you know, we might look at this and know that somebody's getting six or seven targets. That doesn't mean they're gonna pop this week. But it knows that it's coming because the target share keeps going up. So consistency is key. Yeah, consistency very much so is key. And that's what we're going to try and continue to look for here. And one guy that, you know, despite whatever the offense may look like, despite especially Ben Roethlisberger's issues now, we think he's done. But Deontay Johnson, like, if that's one guy just basically don't worry about him. The target share is going to be there every single week, no matter what the offense looks like. Yeah, I agree. And that was last year too. That like again, that goes back to consistency. This isn't new. Like he is the number one receiver there. The the only issue with Pittsburgh is that there's so many mouths to feed. It's like confusing because yeah. there's so many guys they can go to, but he's the guy. He's the one they've been going to consistently. Uh, playing any of Ben Roethlisberger's receivers right now is going to make me squirmish. But yeah, um, I just it's crazy. Three straight games of at least ten targets. Like that is that is huge and absolutely notable because look, even if he catches, you know, 60% of those targets, what are we still looking at? A six reception, you know, 60, 70 yard game and a possible touchdown each time. Like it's, it's just so, so much of a target share. Like, again, are we worried about Pittsburgh's offense? Absolutely. And I think you should be worried about Najee Harris a little bit, but Deontay Johnson is one that, you know, I, I guess we look at matchup a little bit and that'll determine some things, but there just seems like there's always that safe floor with him all the time. Well, I think part of it also has been they've been so bad that they're being put in these negative game scripts where they kind of have to get out of nowhere. Yeah. So, I mean, that does kind of suit it up well for them because they just, if they do get to a point where they improve and the running game starts working, it's going to hurt them because he's the game script just means they have to just keep dumping the ball downfield to him. So, We'll see how they do. I mean, I hope they get better. It's kind of sad to see this kind of falling apart old man out there playing quarterback. It really is. I know, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, like a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we're watching him trip over his own feet. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's brutal to see. But Deontay Johnson is one. But another one, and we'll get some of the, the guys that are surprising you with sort of their, their, their target share, but Cooper Cup's another one. Like, at this point, and I know coming into the season, we were kind of weary about if he's going to fit into a Matthew Stafford kind of version of this offense, but he's just every single week. I mean, this guy is so good. Listen, Cooper Cup's a stud. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I will say this, though. 
I think people are getting over. Listen, they had a, a couple great games. Uh, they went to him a lot. I think, like we saw this week, teams are starting to maybe cover him a little differently as the number one receiver. And I don't think it's going to be as easy. I think we're due to see Robert Woods start getting a little bit more targets, the attention going to Cop. So I think he's going to regress a little bit. I do think he's still going to be a stud. He's going to finish a wide receiver one by the end of the year. But yeah. I don't think he's going to finish as the wide receiver one. So we got to temper the expectations just a little. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Robert Woods, I mean, he's the one that, you know, he's doing fine, but it's just obviously Cooper Cup is demanding more attention. Do we think that's going to shift at all at some point? Look, is this, is this turning into a maybe a DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett type thing? Yeah. Or Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, same thing. Yeah, I think so. I think more so Cup's the number one and 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 Woods is the two for sure. Uh, but I do think we're it's going to start getting closer than we've seen just because – there's going to, I think teams early in the year played them evenly. And I think now it's going to be cups the number one and they're going to start playing them that way. And I think, you know, the way that often just take what's given to you and that's what they're going to start doing. So uh, I do think there'll be a bit of a, you know, regression to the Eve even or, or norm or whatever you want to call it. But, um, but yeah, cup has still been great and he still will be the number one receiver. But I, what, I think what's turning me off a little bit is like DraftKings making him the highest price guy and stuff yeah. like that. That's yeah, exactly. Much. Yeah. I think I think so too. Uh, so one guy who's getting the targets, and we usually uh, we're doing this for a reason: targets, touches, because we like to highlight the targets, and that's where that it's the players you want to go after. But one guy that, that kind of is is weird to me is Jacoby Myers, just because I also think we have to put in there like you know big playability. You know what the what do they do with that production? Like Jacoby Myers, if you're in a PPR league, sure, pretty safe floor in terms of targets, but. I just the, the explosiveness is not there. Just not with him. I don't think it's just mostly this offense in general. You know, how do you take a, a look at a guy like Jacoby Myers because he is getting the targets, and that's something that we value, but just doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot with it. A couple of things there. One the thing to keep in mind: they did just play Tampa Bay, who you can't run on, so they had to just dish out some more passes, yeah. which is going to catch. When they can, they're going to run more than they throw. So the, I don't think last week was the norm. But you're right. He's a safe from a PPR floor. He should get a lot of catches. None of them are tend to be big plays. He's usable on DraftKings. He's usable in PPR leagues. I would fade him in FanDuel and stuff like that just because he's not getting those big plays, those big chunks. So it's, you know, when they can go against a team like Houston where they're going to be able to run the ball, uh, I don't think they'll need to pepper him with 15 or 16 targets. Yeah, completely agree with that. One wide receiver is also doing great, and then uh, I want to get to some maybe you're concerned about their target share, uh, and maybe this uh, opposite of this guy is one. But uh, DJ Moore, I mean, is this is he now like the the guy in Carolina? And you want to obviously you want to be starting him now. It seems like every week, but like how what what are you thinking now of, of DJ Moore and where he could potentially finish the season because he is looking like the guy there. So DJ Moore is the guy. Yeah. Um, and he's, he is awesome. But my, my, my caveat to that would say this without McCaffrey, he's a top three or four receiver fantasy purposes. When McCaffrey comes back, I think it'll relegate a little bit back down to maybe a, you know, back end of wide receiver one top end wide receiver two. So you, there's, you think about how many touches McCaffrey gets and then he's the next option. So he's gaining a lot of that that you're missing from McCaffrey that he's going to lose again when McCaffrey comes back. So I think you're getting a little bit of a bubble right now. He's still going to be great, but 
it's just a little bit boosted because of that. Yeah, and look, we did see him kind of in the backfield too, which was really interesting. And Joe Brady, smart as heck. Uh, yeah, he put he put DJ Moore in the backfield, kind of in that Christian McCaffrey type passing role, and he was getting linebackers on him, which was absolutely fantastic scheming by Joe Brady. Uh, so a great job by him. Is there any wide receiver that you were kind of concerned about when it comes to targets? Uh, any, I mean, is it Robbie Anderson? Like what? Uh, Cause I was just thinking him because of DJ more, but what wide receivers are you kind of concerned about with the amount of targets that they're getting? So Robbie Anderson's the type of guy that's like the, the guy you want to look to right now in, in GPPs and DraftKings, right? Because he still got thrown to a good amount. It wasn't like they weren't looking at him. He didn't have a good game. Um, but what I inevitably is going to happen is they're going to try and take away DJ more. They're going to have to look somewhere else. And, you know, without McCaffrey, he's the next guy there. I think Joe Brady has uh, the offense looking good. I think they will score points. I just think someone else is going to step up, and he's the most obvious answer. So I do think some positive regression is coming from from Robbie Anderson, and he's someone I would target. You know, as probably starting to slide under the radar for people. So in GPPs, he, he could be a nice way to get different. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, you're tuned in to Targets and Touches right now over at WindailySports.com, all sponsored by the Sharp app. Go to sharp.link, and you can check out all of the ways that you can download the Sharp app. And also, promo code double up, buy one, get one gold membership at WindailySports.com. Again, promo link in the description. Let's go over to some running backs. This is where it gets very interesting, and there are a couple. Uh, Saquon Barkley, is he back? So I'm a Giants fan. So I'll give you. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. I'll give you the insight of someone who really watches most of their games and kind of really knows how the offense works. This is the deal with Saquon. I like, I'll compare Saquon to someone like Ezekiel Elliott. The big difference between Saquon and Ezekiel Elliott is this. Zeke is great at finding a way to get you four or five yards every carry. And that's what gives you. He gets you 80 yards and a touchdown. Like he's consistent. Saquon is the opposite. Saquon runs into the line, gets stuffed, gets stuffed, gets stuffed, and then breaks one <laughs> off for 40 yards and a touchdown. It reminds me of Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Right? yeah. Adrian he, Peterson a little like that. He's explosive. He's probably one of the best big plays running backs in the league. Probably the best. Um, but it's just no consistency. It's like, you know, you, 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 the offense doesn't run smoothly. You just kind of wait for that one big play to finally happen, and then he breaks it off. So he's definitely playable because they give him the ball so much, and he eventually does break them off. Um but it's nerve-wracking because he very well can get you, you know, two catches for 10 yards and yep. 30 yards rushing and just nothing. So he's very hit or miss. Um, definitely playable and definitely one of the still one of the guys you want to look to because of that big playability. But it's just not the same as like the consistency of a Henry or a Zeke or one of those guys. What are we making of the target share that Cotterell Patterson is getting? Because it's not like he's getting he's getting usage and targets, but it's it's not overwhelming, and he's not getting like ten targets in the passing game, or he's getting a bunch of carries. It just seems like a collective, you know, work in the the run and pass game that's really bringing him some value. But he does seem, if I'm not mistaken, to me, a little touchdown dependent. So yeah, I would agree. Listen. You don't expect what happened this week to happen again. That's right. Not yeah. lying, right? That's, that's not going to be his – that's not him moving forward. Um, but what I will say in his defense is this. They don't have Julio Jones anymore. Um, they – you know, Ridley is getting double covered. The teams are trying to take Ridley away. So they have pits. But, like, they need to find other guys to make plays on that team. And so he's one of them. So, I, you know, I do think he's playable moving forward. I don't think he's going to be in a, wide, a running back one or anything like that. But I do think he's someone that's going to be involved in this offense. Yeah, and he's certainly been involved. Um, and the, the weird thing is, 
how just with what you've been seeing that Atlanta Falcon kind of running back room and how that's going. I mean, Mike Davis is getting completely phased out, isn't he? Like at this point, I hate to ask, but I, I guess it is the right question to ask. Is it worth rostering Mike Davis at this point? He's worth rostering. He's he should be on your team. He's probably not a starter. He's a backup in my, in my opinion. Um, the the thought with him, the issue with Mike Davis is that the Falcons are just so bad that they're always in a negative game script. Yeah. So there's no, there's yeah. no time for him to turn around and hand on the ball because they're, there's never a position they're up a score and they want to run the ball. And so, and he's also not like, like if he was like Saquon, where even though he only got 15 touches, he can break one off, then he'd be worth it. But he's not going to break them off. He's more plotting. And so yeah. for that, the only other thing with him and that Quaterell is kind of killing him on is that he used to be a really good pass catcher and they would throw him a lot too. And they don't seem to be throwing to him as much. I mean, they, they, he's gotten a few looks, but not as much as yeah. I would have liked. Carter Patterson is their pass catching back, basically. Yeah. That's yeah. what they're using him as. Uh, this is a really good question from Ivan. Is Damian Harris still usable? Because they've been going to really this high volume short passing game. It reminds me a lot. I mean, obviously they did it with Tom Brady, but Tom Brady obviously threw down the field a little bit more. It reminds me of what Pittsburgh was doing. And Mac Jones seems to be pretty comfortable with this, you know, very efficient, high volume passing attack. Uh, is that kind of phasing? out Damian Harris though a little bit in the run game because he is he is very much he has to get the carries or else he's not doing much it's very matchup specific with the Patriots right nobody can run on the Buccaneers so what you're seeing recently was they gave up on the run because the Buccaneers is the best run D in the league by a lot so no one people don't even try to run on them so last week he was phased out because it just was the game plan when they face a weak team I think this week actually Houston they should be able to run on uh, and you, let's see what happens this week. If they, I think he will probably get about 20 carries and their offense will look a whole lot different. So, listen, Bill Belichick is not about to run an offense where the, his rookie quarterback throws 40 times a game. I just don't think – Yeah, that. that's probably it's probably not going to happen. Especially so, with the weather because they, they, they know they can't blow the top off of a defense. So, I don't think they're they're going to continue all the time, you know, dropping back 40 to 50 times and just try this high-volume, you know, passing offense. It's really tough to do. Right. Especially and, for a rookie. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. you know, you, you have to do it against the Bucks because you just can't run on them. But when they start getting better matchups, the game script will change and, and Harris will – we'll get the, the usage rate where we were more accustomed to seeing. And so it's that type of situation where it's like you almost want to target running backs coming off the Bucks because we know they're going to have a down week. People might be down on them, have lower ownership, and then, you know, you'll be there knowing that it was more game script specific. So there's two guys that I want to go over that are probably going to be waiver wire targets as well. One, Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, do you think he's going to get, I have to say, similar touches and targets that Joe Mixon did? But I imagine he's going to get the majority of that. Is that is that something that you it, worth rostering and maybe even playing this week? So yes and no. Like for for fantasy football purposes, like don't use all your fab on him because he's a one week flyer, right? So yes. like, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you can do better. He's not going to be that long of a fill. If you're in a bind this week and you just you know one of your backs is out, you don't have anyone else. Yeah, he's he's going to start for an NFL team. He's worth picking up for that reason. But I wouldn't break the bank for him. He's really just not that good, and he's going to be a one week flyer. So. If he's gonna, if you don't have another starter, then he's better than the other alternatives. But for right. the most part, if you had Joe Mixon and the yes, yeah. I think you're going at the Samaj P run. He's so yeah, he he's good. But uh, a guy that kind of is surprising us, and obviously it's a team I root for. Kenneth Gainwell is not only I think he's been great with the amount of targets that he was getting, but now he's getting even more, and he's actually carrying the ball, and he's getting, which is the most surprising part the red zone carries, which I did not expect is Kenneth Gainwell. Is that repeatable? 
I mean, obviously it's not going to be you know the same game script all the time, which they have to throw a bunch, but it seems like they are, and they haven't run the ball a lot. Is Kenneth Gainwell the guy to, to have in the backfield in Philadelphia instead of Miles Sanders? So that, that's a good question, and I was going to ask you as an Eagles fan. <laughs> the better question here is, are you concerned about Miles Sanders? Yes. I, I was starting to have the questions coming into this season of, okay – at some point, you got to kind of ask yourself: Is Miles Sanders good enough? Is he? We we could say, oh, once he gets the targets and once he gets all the carries, the he's going to be fine and he's going to prove everyone. Like maybe there's a reason why they're not giving him the amount of carries and why they don't trust him. And we kind of saw that 1.9 yards per carry. And I thought Kenneth Gainwell was looking better out of the backfield, running the ball too. I might even just ask the question, and since it's, I'm asking it, it does kind of you know ring true here. Maybe you should be targeting Kenneth Gainwell, but is Kenneth Gainwell a better running back than Sanders? Like, I think it's a legitimate question at this point. I think he's looked good, um, but I will say I think Sanders has looked good at times. So I don't want to write Sanders off. And one thing we, one narrative we heard this year was in preseason, it was like, hey, is is Sanders losing the job? Is it going to be was it Boston Scott? And then he had a good preseason, and that kind of all got erased. And now it's kind of happening again. But I will say for in Sanders' defense, it does, it's not like they're giving him 20 touches for, and he's getting 20 yards. Against the, the Chiefs, he had what, like two carries or something? Like They're just not yeah. giving him the ball. So yeah. it's not like he's failing. They're just not even giving him a chance. I do see an opportunity where they turn to him one game and he pops a few off, and then boom, Miles Sanders is back as a top you know, running back and everything like that. So let's just see if they give him a chance. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, they, they need to run the ball first too. Uh, I, I'm just I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the Eagles offense to kind of shift with Jalen Hurts because they are throwing the ball a ton. And maybe a little bit because of the game scripts that's happened, but I'm waiting for them to use what Jalen Hurts is best at. I know he's a, he's been actually a better passer than I thought this season. I'm not saying he's great, but he's been good. But he is a very good running quarterback. I'm waiting for when this offense kind of does Sirianni does this shift of okay, the passing thing is working a little bit, but let's start going. You know, heavy run game, a lot of read options with Jalen Hurts, and get kind of the running game going uh, with him instead of trying this high volume passing offense, which I just think is weird with Hurts' skill set to be doing that. I agree. I'm surprised that they haven't run an offense like that. You would think it's that seems obvious that that's what they would have done. Right. My only assumption is that teams are trying to take that away, and they're just that could be true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you're tuned into Targets and Touches right now in Daily Sports. You can actually hear Joel again tonight. Double duty. Joel is the absolute best for pulling some double duty here because he'll be on uh, with Spencer and he'll be on with Sia. And you guys are, what is it, the Shriners Hospital Open that you guys are going to be breaking down tonight. So that is going to be 8 o'clock right here at WindDailySports.com, which is always sponsored by the Sharp app uh one thing i do also want to go over is tight ends um noah font is he outside of travis kelsey is he is he the guy i mean is this is this not only the breakout year for noah font but like he may be one of the top options because george kittle has been disappointing i agree noah font is is a, is a top five or six tight end he's very okay. good um i wouldn't go as far as saying he's the guy after kelsey uh he's not quite there yet one of the Darren big Waller, of course, is right. I would say probably second with the amount of targets he gets. Similar to to what we were saying earlier, right? It helps that Judy's out and you yep. know, one of their main ta- pass catchers they have to replace. So um, it also hurts him, though, that Bridgewater got her. I think he was great for Bridgewater. Bridgewater likes to check down an athletic yep. tight end, safe throws. Uh, I think um, Locke is going to be more aggressive and maybe not look to him as much. So 
He's a good player. He's definitely someone you want on your roster. He's definitely someone you can go to, especially because DraftKings continues to underprice him. Um, but yeah, there no. you go, Ivan. There you go, Ivan. Got to promote that too. Look at Ivan doing my job for me. I love it. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and listen, he's um, Noah Fant's a, gr- a really good player. So yeah. the only the, the only other you know issue with that is is the Broncos' offense. Right, they're not the most explosive. So you kind of have to hope to get your points there where you can. Yeah, certainly do. Um, Dalton Schultz. I mean, we talk about the wide receivers often. And maybe when Michael Gallup returns, I don't know when that's going to be. I think we still have a few more weeks uh, with him out. But, you know, is this all because that Michael Gallup is hurt? Or is Dalton Schultz legitimately just one of the top target getters? And, you know, this is one of the favorites for Dak Prescott. Because it surprised me when I saw the numbers from last year. I think he was four targets separated from a guy like Noah Fon. He had 89 targets last season. So it's starting to become very obvious to me that Dalton Schultz is just not, okay, a tight end and really good passing offense, and that's why he's doing well. But he's one of the top maybe receiving options in this passing offense. He is. I think uh, that is solidified at this point that he's he's a receiver. Now, it's going to hurt him some when Gallup comes back and there's just more options to spread out. Yeah. But part of what we're realizing with the Cowboys is this is a different offense than we're used to. This isn't feed Zeke 30 times a game. And yeah. they want to air it out. They're going to throw a lot. And so there's enough targets to go around, and, and he's good. And he's open over the middle of the field. So um, I think right now he's still getting a little bit undervalued, and I think he will finish as a tight end one later. Yeah, I think he will, and uh, I ended up picking him up in my waiver wire last week, put him in for a guy by the name of Robert Tanyan. Uh, just out of, you know, Robert Tanyan, you know, TJ Hawkinson, and all, like what, what tight ends are you kind of starting to get a little worried about? And Hawkinson has been really good, just a little bit disappointing uh, lately. Uh, what tight ends are you starting to get really worried about? Because Tanyan's one guy for me that I, I think I, I got close to even dropping because I picked up Dalton Schultz. I was like, yeah, is it really worth keeping a guy like Tanyan around? The issue with Tanyan is that he's so touchdown dependent, right? Yeah. You're not going to get a 100-yard game out of it. That's not even an option. So with Tanyan – it's like one of those games where they, you know, triple team Adams and they just leave the tight end wide open for Rodgers to turn around and throw to. Like those are the and but he does that a lot because they do triple team Adams because he's so good and he just gets open. So he can score touchdowns, but you're relying on him to score a touchdown to score, which you know, with guys like Schultz, right? He Schultz can get you six for sixty, which is great for a tight end. Um, so that's my thing with Tanya. I I wouldn't go with Tanya. It's just too hit or miss. And maybe I'm not matchup with the team is like notoriously the worst team against tight ends, fine, but other than that. I'm pretty much out on, on Robert Tanya. Yeah, I am too, unfortunately. I drafted him and thought, you know what? I know touchdown dependent, but look, he's going to be a top target in the red zone. It just has not happened for him. So uh, I think I'm out on Robert Tiny as well. Is there any tight end? Because I tight end streaming is obviously something that we all like to do. Uh, quarterback streaming as well. But just in terms of tight end streams, is there a tight end that's kind of been catching your eye with the amount of targets that they've been getting? Yeah, I love monitoring tight ends. I think that's the most intriguing position to kind of bring. Yes, it is. Through. Absolutely is. Uh, and there's a few guys that, I, that I've got on my radar this week. The first one is Max Williams on Arizona. They gave him, I think, what, six targets last week? Five or six. He scored a touchdown. Um, he's on the rise. They're getting him involved in the offense. The only issue with him is they have so many mouths to feed. There's like six yeah. receiving options on that team. But uh, <laughs> he's one of them. And they're going to throw so many times that kind of like anything can happen. Um Another guy I want to mention I think is interesting is Cole Komet. So Cole Komet I find interesting because they barely threw the ball last week. He got like three targets, which you look at them like it's nothing. But I think they only threw 17 times. 
So of the target share, that wasn't that bad. They're going to have games where they can't just throw 17 times and they're going to have to air it out more. And I think there is something to Justin Fields being a rookie, Komet being really young. They're probably friends. He's one of his pass catchers. He might look to him a little bit more often. Right now he's getting completely overlooked. I think as we get we see more Justin Fields, um, I think Komet will get more involved. He could be an under-the-radar uh, play there. So you're tuning in to Targets and Touches right now as we do every Tuesday. My name is John Jansen. Follow me at JJS at 34. And joining me for today's show is Joel at Draftmaster Flex. So last question I want to ask you, and it's back to the running backs because it's a dilemma I see people going over all the time. And I find it really weird because I think both are doing very well, but people just panic when looking that the target share is so close. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Just how how do you kind of play these guys week to week? I mean, obviously, it depends a little bit what the game script is going to be. But I find almost every week that these guys both are sort of at different times worth playing. And Nick Chubb, like, yeah, you can worry a little bit about him, but the guy still had 100 yards, and he is he does the absolute most with the carries that he gets. Uh, I think he's the most efficient running back behind Derrick Henry in the league. And I think with the amount of carries that he gets, he's fine. But people are sort of panicking on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt seems to be getting the same amount of targets and touches. Uh, what do you make of sort of the Cleveland backfield? So I wouldn't panic there. The thought process is this. That team wants to run so much yeah. that they can afford to have two running backs because they just run the ball every time. Right? They're not they're not the Cowboys who want to throw 45 times a game. And, and, it, and you know, for the Cowboys, even though they actually do have two running backs too um, – you, it's hard to imagine Pollard and Zeke having a playable game. Maybe one or the other, but not both. With the Browns, they want to run it 40 times. So they can each get plenty of carries and each can produce, and they have a good old line and game script to do so. So I think both guys are in play. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't shy away. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, there is there have even been some games where I thought, you know, why not play Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I know it always is like a weird thing to say. Like, why would you play two running backs? And, you know, running backs aren't even that valuable in the NFL. But it's just the, the like you said, Cleveland is not like every other NFL team. You know, they, they like to use both of their running backs and they like to use them an absolute ton, especially because Odell Beckham, you know, came back and he's was injured for most of the season to start the year was injured up most of last season. And, you know, he came back and he's all of a sudden their guy again, because Jarvis Landry has been injured. So they kind of have to rely on their running backs more often than other teams. And it's just a different situation than everybody else. Uh, Joel, that is it for us here. But again, give us a little preview of tonight. What are you guys looking at tonight uh, on the PGA live stream? Come check it out. Eight o'clock. It's going to be a really fun tournament. If you guys, for the folks that follow our show, um, you'll hear me often talk about JV tournaments versus, you know, the more bigger fields. We're finally getting a real field, which we haven't seen in a while. So this is going nice. to be a lot of fun to, to break down tonight. What do you think about Brooks and Bryson? Is that going to be fun? I, there, now, let, let, me, let me finish with this one thing. One, I have a conspiracy theory. Oh, I, love I think the whole Brooks-Bryson rivalry it's is a WWE promo. Yeah. For <laughs> and for making money. And it is not even – I think they're probably really friends. Like, they're yeah. friends. Agree. It's it's a wrestling it's a wrestling feud. It's a it's a WWE promo. That's that's what it is. And look, look it's going to end up to a ton of pay per view buys, and I am absolutely all for it. I, mean, uh, I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Joel, you did a fantastic job pulling double duty today. You'll be back on at eight o'clock right here. Subscribe to Wind Daily Sports for a YouTube channel, and also WindDailySports.com. Go to the video hub, and you can check out all the videos and even our live streams there 
as well. That is it for us. My name is John Jansen at jjansen34. You can follow me on Twitter, Joel at DraftMasterFlex. Tomorrow, 5 o'clock, going to be quarterbacks and stacks. We'll take a look at the top quarterbacks and stacks for the DFS slate for this Sunday. That is coming up tomorrow right here, all at WindDailySports.com.